from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. Award mila hai, khushi ki baat hai. Hame bhot khushi hai is baat ki, lekin award se kya hamare ghar chal jayenge, pet bhar jayega? जो हमारी लाइफ है वो सिर्फ अवार्ड से तो नहीं चलेगी सर दैट्स उषा ठाकुर एंड आशा वर्कर फ्रॉम दिल्ली एंड आशा इज एन अक्रेडिटेड सोशल हेल्थ एक्टिविस्ट एंड देयर आर ओवर 10 लाख इन इंडिया मेनी इन सिटीज वी हैव मेट एन आशा फॉर द फर्स्ट टाइम ड्यूरिंग द कोविड-19 पेंडेमिक बट आशाज आर द रूट्स ऑफ द इंडियन हेल्थ केयर सिस्टम दैट रीच डाउन टू एवरी विलेज इन द कंट्री अर्लियर दिस वीक Asha workers were conferred with the WHO Director General's Global Health Leaders Award for their work during the pandemic. Accredited final award goes to India's more than 1 million accredited social health activities activists or ashas for their work to connect people with their health services. After the announcement, ashas received congratulations from the Prime Minister, the Health Minister and many others. But as Usha said, Ashas would much rather have the governments respond to their demands. Ashas across states have been protesting for years. They're seeking different things. One is salaries that meet minimum wage. The second is payments on time, and the third is being made government employees. Usha explains that during the pandemic, Asha workers in Delhi struggled with the amount of work they had to do as well as things like being targeted for the work they do. शुरू में हमें भी डर लगता था लेकिन जब हमें डॉक्टर कहती थी हाँ जाना है आपको इसलिए होम आइसोलेशन करना है तो डर लगता था बट प्रेशर था अगर हम काम नहीं करेंगे क्योंकि हमारा जो आशा का काम था वो बंद कर दिया गया था बिल्कुल एक तरह से तो घर के खर्चे भी नहीं चलते थे आशा वर्कर्स के तो वो काम करती थी पेशेंट के पास जाती थी तो उस टाइम हमें घर में भी टॉर्चर सहना पड़ा कई जो रेंट पे थी उनको तो मकान मालिक ने कई ऐसी मेरी आशा वर्कर्स थी जिनके फोन आए कि मकान मालिक ने बाहर निकल दिया कि आपको आप कोविड का काम करेंगी तो आप हमारे घर में नहीं रह सकते और हमें भी अपनी जैसे ज्वाइंट फैमिली थी बच्चे थे तो कई बार हजबेंड लोग घर में बोलते थे कि तुम्हें काम करना है कोविड का तो बाहर जाओ घर में मत आओ तो इस तरह फिजिकली भी मेंटली भी टॉर्चर ज्यादा सहना पड़ा हम लोगों को उस वक्त आर्थिक तौर पर सरकार से तो हमें कोई मदद नहीं मिली चाहे वो दिल्ली गवर्नमेंट हो या सेंट्रल गवर्नमेंट कोई मदद हम लोग नहीं मिली कई जगह आशाओं पे आ, मतलब हाथापाई भी हो गई उनको भगा दिया उधर पुरानी दिल्ली की तरफ कुछ हादसे भी हुए थे उषा हुन आशा फॉर एट इयर्स नाउ ऑल्सो नेचर ऑफ द जॉब हैज बीन चेंजिंग ओवर दर्स एंड दर्कलोड हैज ओनली इंक्रीज पहले सर ये था कि ओनली हम लोग जो प्रेगनेंट लेडीज है उसका रजिस्ट्रेशन कराना और उसका डिलीवरी होने के बाद उसके बच्चे की डेढ़ महीने तक देखभाल करना तो यही दो तीन काम थे अब तो फैमिली प्लानिंग में भी कितनी सारी चीजें आ गई हैं और टीकाकरण में भी बहुत सारा कुछ टीके ऐड होते जा रहे हैं वो सब करवाना दिन पहले निमंत्रण पद देना ड्यू लिस्ट निकालना बहुत सारा काम ये चीजें पहले नहीं थी अब अब बढ़ रही है 
और उसमें भी पचास रुपए पच्चीस रुपए सौ रुपए इस तरह का इंसेंटिव होता है तो जब ये जोड़ते हैं ना तो ये बड़ा अजीब सा लगता है इस टीके पे पच्चीस रुपए इस टीके पे पचास रुपए इस पे सौ रुपए उषा जनरल सेक्रेटरी ऑफ द डेली आशा वर्कर्स एसोसिएशन और डावा सेज अ मेजोरिटी ऑफ डेली सोल अर्निंग मेंबर्स ऑफ देर फैमिलीज She says a government job would go a long way towards ensuring Asha's aren't left out in the cold when they face emergencies. Itna amount ho jayega ki wo apna ghar chala sakti hai. Kyunki abhi aap dekhiye 5-7000 8000 ye mein koi ghar to chalta nahi. Wo bhi bade mushkil se pure mahine mehnat karke bante hain. Baaki kuch percent hai 10% honge mushkil se jo 10 aur 15 ke aas pass ban jata hai kisi kisi Asha ka sabka nahi. तो अगर ये तो हमें कम से कम मेडिकल फैसिलिटी तो मिलेगी और कुछ ऐसा इतना अमाउंट तो आएगा कि वो अपने बच्चों को पाल सकें अब वो सारा दिन भागती हैं तो उनको घर में भी मेंटली फिजिकली टॉर्चर होता है कि तुम कौन सी नौकरी करती हो जो सारा दिन ही बाहर रहती हो और उसके बाद तुम्हें मिलता क्या है तो ये चीजें बंद होंगी और एक तरह से उनके मन में भी सेटिस्फाई रहेंगी कि चलो हमें इतना पैसा मिल रहा है तो अपना इतना तो मिलेगा Dr. T. Sundar Raman has worked with the Asha Initiative since it was launched in 2005. Presently, the global coordinator of the People's Health Movement, Dr. Sundar Raman was head of the National Health Systems Resource Centre in New Delhi, which provided support to the Asha Initiative. In this conversation, Dr. Sundar Raman explains the logic of the Asha scheme, why women were critical for its success, and why Ashas are justified in their demand for government employment. He also explains why we need to appreciate our Asha's more, and why they will be critical if India is serious about its promise of making healthcare available to all. Dr. Sundaraman, before Asha workers, how did the system of linking people with primary healthcare work, and what were the shortcomings that were felt were there in the system? Before Asha's, outreach depended upon the health subcentre, which was staffed by one male. worker and female worker usually these were recruited as part of a general state level recruitment and could be from anywhere and they found it very difficult to stay in these remote places and had very little connect with the community and they also had a number of tasks especially related to family planning at some times uh, immunization these two things which kept them quite busy so that their ability to actually reach out or talk within the community was very limited and at some point it was felt necessary to have a person and from world experience also and from indian experience we know that a person from the community who knows the language who is familiar with people who knows their level of understanding of a particular issue it is a very good and more effective health communicator and motivator than somebody from outside and it brings in the community to participate in a way which is much more organic and uh, fruitful uh, remember there were many community health worker programs across india they were all small scale that did uh, successfully but uh, it was always found very difficult for government to scale it up but the problem was actually realizing a program that worked on the ground uh, in the immediate uh, preceding period to the nrhm one big break that happened was that in chatisgarh 
the state government successfully managed to scale up and sustain a very effective uh, 40,000 strong statewide community health worker program. The importance of that was that it was the first program that government ran successfully and it was also the first program that went up to scale in India. And therefore, it was an immediate inspiration for the NRHM. Uh, the NRHM had a mandate to make it much more community-centered, much better primary care. And therefore, this uh, got taken up by the system. Dr. Sundaraman says he was part of a task force that included various experts in public health care. They put together the guidelines for the ASHA workers. He explains that initially it wasn't even thought of as a scheme that would be rolled out across India. Initially, the program was considered necessary only for those states, what we were calling then the, prior to it, the Bimaru states, the North Indian states with very high mortalities. It was not considered necessary for the non-high focus state, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, Andhra, Maharashtra were not sanctioned, this except for tribal areas. But within one year or two years, positive impact of the ASHA across programs was so felt, there was a political demand to expand the program to all the uh, states. And that happened. And that was a major uh, thing. Like you said, it grew from a very small idea of connecting people to the community. Could you speak a bit about why that matters so much with healthcare? This Actually, there were three understandings of what an ASHA is or should do. The resultant ASHA is a, a good synergy between these three understandings. One of the understandings is that she is basically ensuring a better access to services. So one of the two things was promote people to use facilities and skilled birth attendance or delivery, institutional delivery. This required convincing people. It also required giving them confidence. So the role of escorting them. Uh, it's interesting. You know, we found that in Chhattisgarh, initial design, we did not have escorting them as part of our profile. But we saw that it was happening spontaneously. And uh, it was a necessity that women felt when they were going to the first time to a hospital and negotiating and there's somebody who was familiar with them and who could guide them. But there was another role equally important. That was that there were certain services that needed to be provided on day one, which you can't wait for the AM to come around or go to. So if a newborn is born, there needs to be care at the home. If, for example, you have a diarrhea, you can't wait for a week, you need ORS immediately. If there is a respiratory infection, you need to diagnose anemia immediately. All these things need to be done spontaneously, immediately, with very simple out-of-care, um, over-the-counter sort of medicines like ORS packets and all that. But there was a third role that came in very strongly from civil society and a certain experience of what uh, the Bharat Gyan Vigyan Samiti had done in its literal literacy to health campaigns was the notion of health activist. A person who uh, uh, helps the community demand their entitlements and rights, who sees that actually when they go to the facility, they should not be turned away, they cannot be turned away, they have an entitlement to care. Hence this acronym, Accredited Social Health Activist. 
when we the program started out very often the bureaucratic uh, healthcare facilities could be very reluctant to uh, open uh, and welcome them in but the asha was helpful to negotiate and close the gap so in many ways the asha was a game changer far beyond the expectations of even its own designers on that because at some point we did not see them playing such a important role in the facility did you all face a lot of opposition to this scheme and could you talk about why you all um, chose women over men when the scheme was announced and scaled up whether in chatisgarh in 2002 3 or whether at the level of asha in 2006 uh, uh, 7 8 those intense skepticism and cynicism we were repeatedly told that the village had the guides which had started out in 19 uh, um, you know 79 to 84 period had been a very phenomenal failure and we should learn from that this notion of village health workers don't work they are bound to fail our own understanding of that had been that uh, one problem with the village health guide among many problem with the earlier program had been that all their selection went to men and men looked at it as an opportunity for occupation not able to quite understand the importance of a caregiving role and even uh, were not really able to appreciate the importance of health education on things for example how would you feed a baby how would you wean what is the sort of weaning food that you would give to a child makes perfect sense for one woman to talk to another woman but it doesn't quite make the same sense for a man to talking about it he has no personal experience very often a very limited experience and full of uh, certain ideas more than that because of the tradition what whether they should be is a different issue because of the tradition they could completely understand internalize and see the importance of the nature of counseling it's not just you know a one way communication it's in the nature of counseling they could see the importance of that it that was not the only point the other important partition and all of this that you need a support uh, institution dedicated to supporting this so in chatisgarh you had the state health resource center and modeled on that you had the national health resource center uh, health systems resource center in delhi the nhsrc which had a community processes wing which had supporting it an asha mentoring group made up of civil society organizations which i personally had gone to the secretary then and communicated and uh, got constituted on the ground you needed support in the form of asha facilitators a dedicated cadre who are involved in training and support this again was not there in the earlier program this made a huge difference and without that it would really not have succeeded finally the entire notion of a continuous training the training would be continued and it would be supported all along all of this made a huge difference in making sure that this program actually got operationalized effectively 
we were not looking at uh, very young women we were looking at women at a certain degree of maturity preferably somebody who had the experience of child management and therefore they could appreciate it wanted to know about it themselves and wanted to help their community with it uh, another major issue that is now on the fore is the fact that a lot of asha workers are seeking formal employment uh, what was the logic behind keeping the scheme with uh, volunteers rather than with formal employees one immediate pragmatic consideration and you must understand one must really appreciate this is from 1993 to 2005 6 when the nhm came across all the states but particularly in the north under structural adjustment health sector reforms human resource expansion in the formal system had been very limited not even nurses and doctors were being recruited for over a decade even to replace those who retired and died the notion of uh, uh, expanding a public health workforce was seen as uh, close to some sort of a uh, uh, complete uh, non possibility in governance nhm broke that it increased the uh, improvement of uh, nurses and doctors also but remember to bring forth a 1 million uh, health workers at a time when the dominant thinking was against any expansion of the health worker workforce was a huge achievement but it was also a huge negotiation at one point for the first time after close to 12 13 years government had agreed that it needed to agree, expand the workforce in all cadre but while it did so it did so on the basis that this will be contractual labor now that's a serious problem because in some sense it was the contractualization of labor the main justification for this was that the payment of salaries and the payment of health workers was seen as something that state governments will do whereas the payment from the center nhm was seen as a temporary mission mode payment that would end after a very defined predefined and small period but that time it was seen as a very ad hoc arrangement and it was actually the success on the ground and the political support that the program garnered that continued it one understanding that went behind the notion of volunteerism was that the asha services would be limited to about 2 to 3 hours per day of about 3 to 4 days a week and all it would be 12 to 15 hours therefore it could be compatible and not intervene in her daily livelihood but if he came for a training program or if he had to escort a woman to a hospital for a delivery that day she could not continue with her daily work and therefore she would need a compensation or full day compensation for that this notion of performance based thing which was compensation a degree of volunteerism but compensation for livelihood lost its own success was to change it because by 2009 10 it had become apparent that a great number of improvement in services now even including malaria now tb program was demanding asha's time you had the rch program itself uh, systematizing home based newborn care in a major way now your requirements of it had now easily exceeded 45 uh, hours 40 hours the moment you have you know 30 hours 
needed. You need a full-time employee. No livelihood is possible if 30 hours per week has to go into this. The system responded by saying, okay, we will give certain work that she is regularly going. We will have a blended payment route. One part of the payment will be performance-based and one part of the payment will be uh, a fixed wage. Over the evolution from uh, the period when uh, you did not have uh, any uh, extra staff to uh, in uh, 10 years, the case has been built now for a regular employment that is required. There is one issue though. So when you have this comprehensive primary health care opening up and health and wellness center, it arose from the community processes work. It arose from as a continuity with the ASHA program. But the immediate effort is not to integrate the ASHA into it because the system is not very convinced that they would actually regularize her. So in some sense, this whole thinking about keeping public health workforce limited that comes out of a whole neoliberal understanding of how governments should function is the main block to actually regularizing her. But the other block is that you can justify a workforce of a 1 million addition. If you need an increment of a 2 million ashas, it will make sense only under a commitment where you have committed to universal health care provided by the government and provided by uh, public provisioning. So Thailand has. Thailand is a population the size of, uh, say, less than the size of Maharashtra. But Thailand alone has 1.4 million ashas. Okay, community health women volunteers. 1.4 million. The whole of India has only 1 million. So, and they are paid a small uh, payment that would come to about 1,200 rupees in rupee terms. But at some point, what you are finding is that they have only 20 households to look after. So, volunteerism is still possible. Here, it's about 200 households you are looking after. So, that's a huge difference. This whole uh, parameter... It requires, uh, in some sense, the commitment to a universal health care, which requires a corresponding public health workforce, which therefore requires the ASHA system to be regularized. One is not likely to happen without the other. The health rights of the community cannot be guaranteed without the health rights of the worker. The rights of the worker cannot also be guaranteed without ga making it a part of the health rights of the community. We, we are talking about the ASHA program right now because of the WHO award. Could you explain how you think they performed during the pandemic? There were remarkable performance that we know from all over. In some sense, ASHA stood their ground. And that happens only with the notion of public service. Had they been an outsourced contracted service or commission agents, as there was a rival uh, program theory at the start of the program, uh, it would have gone differently. It wasn't so. Uh, the Ashas actually stayed, despite huge personal risks, despite a lack of adequate safe precaution, continued to actually serve multiple roles, not only in the community. Very often they were drawn in to fill gaps in the facility also. Many things which happen on the ground that have not really been uh, recorded uh, adequately not only in this, also to keep other essential services flowing. Uh, 
you know, um, ensure that TB drugs were reaching out to the house. You were using them for actually making sure that wherever possible, wherever chronic illness patients were being reached drugs to in their homes. And for all that, the ASHA was there. You know, in the first few months in the private sector, many closed down, many actually shut shop because they were afraid or because there were strictures. The ASHA continued to work under extremely difficult circumstances. And that excess, that force was the only basis on which home quarantines, isolation support, contact tracing could be even envisaged. How far effectively we used was very little because we had not prepared them for emergency preparedness. We had not visualized them as a permanent workforce. We had visualized them as an ad hoc workforce with minimalist roles. And therefore, when a maximal crisis like the pandemic took place, we were not geared either at the facility level or at the community level to take this on. So to me, the main message is that actually they should be a part of the regular force with an adequate terms where their accountability should not come in the way of their solidarity with the community. They should feel part of the community and primarily answerable to the community. And if you can retain that relationship, yet provide her an adequate employment terms, that is important. We can consolidate her terms of employment as a permanent candidate. It's a big step forward. Emergency preparedness requires that you have a certain inbuilt redundancy in the program. You are able to do at routine times all the healthcare that is needed. Therefore, at times of crisis, you can expand to take on the extra load. But if on a normal day, you cannot manage an influx of additional patients, you can't do it during a pandemic. This whole notion of very selective package of services in the public system, all of them needs to be relooked in the context of emergency preparedness because pandemics have come to stay. Asha workers have multiple complaints over payments, um, you know, even the amount they're paid. And like you said, the formalization of employment. How do you think the government should be dealing with these issues and how have they dealt with it so far? This has been asked to me repeatedly. At this point of time, it's rather clear. You need to ensure that they get minimum wages and more. You need to ensure that they have all the social security benefits anybody enrolled in the ESI has. Which means the simplest solution for that is make them an ESI beneficiary. So the entire uh, leave, the maternity, the entire social security benefits of any ESI person is they become eligible for. Give them a proper terms of employment, but skill them in a way in which they are able to make their house visits. When they go to a house, they are able to counsel all the different sections, the children, the adolescents, the adults and the elderly. Regularization will go along with universalization of healthcare, universal primary healthcare systems, preferably and necessarily sort of supported by a legal framework that guarantees it. You know, these payment issues, the state governments, it's not something impossible. It's this whole reluctance to take on a public health workforce. This whole commitment, you somehow feel that it has to be temporary and you are waiting to outsource it, privatize it. 
Now, if you privatize these blocks and outsource it to private sector and convert this public employment of the ASHA, however uh, precarious, into an employment under private agencies, you and we know this across the world. We know this, for example, from South Africa where it has happened. The nature, the precarious nature, the terms of employment all worsen and the future prospects worsen. So the, the ASHA, while they fight for their rights, are facing the danger that instead of being given rights, the program could be even set back or diluted or, uh, you know, outsourced. And I think in this context, the WHO uh, celebration of her uh, uh, achievements and recognition and acknowledgement of her achievements have come at the right moment. It should urge the government to ensure that she is regularized and makes a, uh, and uh, is part of the universal health care. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.